OAQS. We are back for another episode of Fullback, Barca Football Podcast, where we discuss all things Barcelona, all things football, and everything in between. It's the international break, and to be honest, it is a welcome one, even though you might hear that for the first time ever. Xavi and his squad have been struggling lately, there's no secret. And maybe catching their breath for a second or just not thinking about La Liga just now, it's a good idea. But there are still things happening around the club. There always are. And some of those things we will discuss with you today. And with that, I would like to welcome my friend and co-host, Dev. Dev, how are things? Hey, man. Couldn't have put it better. <laughs> it's so welcome at national break. Generally, we go in and we are scared that when we come out the other side, we'll lose the games. And we've got a tough run coming up. I think this run will be season-defining after this one, this international break. The of games that we have. Yeah, this one's been, I would say, welcome after what we saw against L'Areal, against Shakhtar, and then against Alavis. So I would say we played okay in the second half of Alavis, but still. So yeah, it's been good and I've been enjoying the break and watch the game, especially Argentina and Uruguay. So Marcelo Bielsa winning against Argentina for the first time in, I don't know, 25 games probably? A long run. So yeah, that's been that. But uh, with that, let's get started. We do have our set of questions for today. And thank you for everyone who has contributed to our Q&As. It's been really lovely hearing your voices, your opinions and concerns. And we are here to try and answer some of those. All right. So let's start with the first one. The first one comes from Fury Maker, one of our followers, who says, Barca football, do you think Barca should go with Roque and Marguiu next season or should they keep Lewandowski in the mix? So should we have Roque and Guiu next season or Roque, Lewandowski and Guiu? Uh, Dev, do you want to take this one first? My point of view on this, I think both options are not in that elite level that Barcelona needs to be to have a forward line which is feared. Marguiu is good, but he's young untested. So is the same with Vitor Roque. He's also promising, but untested at the highest level. So we don't know. Then we have Lewandowski, who can be elite, uh, but looks like age is catching up with him. So if you ask me between the options, I would say that uh, maybe having Lewandowski around for another season is not such a bad idea because we're not going to find very many promising nines out there, especially with the finances that we have. So having him around um, gives us the cushion of a few goals like we saw against Alaves. So he can still finish, not always, but when he does, so you get that cushion. So I think it, it helps uh, having him around. Um, and then, you know, having Roque and Kui to play with each other to the extent that is possible because it will be a long season. 60 games, and given our luck with injuries, one never knows. I wouldn't count on just one person to lead the line or support or play the supporting role for the whole season. It would make sense to have both of them. But even with that, I think we will fall short and we need to go back in the market if you're serious to really bolster up that forward line. Uh, so I would say there are many intangibles there that we need to take into consideration. But if you if I have go just by the specific question of between Mark, you Vitor Roque and Lewandowski, I think all three would be good to have them in some capacity or the other as they go into next season. 
I actually agree with that. I think we're w- way too quick to dismiss a Lewandowski and say, okay, he's not good enough. But the thing is, this forward line needs someone like him. And that's what makes this question very important because many are wondering what, what will happen with Lewandowski. And at the same time, trying to figure out just how much of a boost Barca will get with Vitor Roque joining. And it's tricky, as you said. It's not really a straightforward question or uh, answer, rather. But before I say anything, I would like to say that Roque is a very exciting talent. His goal scoring, his movement, ball striking, and that youth especially, they all make him a crucial piece for the team's future, I would say. But this is also a player who's yet to crack that 20 goals a season mark, let alone do this year upon year, which is essentially what Barca 9 has to do, right? So when we evaluate Roque at Barcelona, we have to look at two things, I feel like. The, the psychological part and then the tactical statistical part. Psychologically, what I mean by this is how is he going to adapt? It's the new environment, it's Europe for the first time, it's a very culturally different club, the language, everything is different. And I think that alone is enough to potentially decrease his initial, at least initial output, by at least, I don't know, five goals or so, let's put it that way. Tactically, we have to look at the situations in which Roque scores most goals and then see, okay, can Barcelona actually replicate those situations and how good are they at creating those situations in the first place? And then, is that even compatible with how they usually create chances? Because statistically, if we say Roque is currently, I don't know, a 10 to 15 goals player per season, is that enough? And then you're faced with a harsh reality of it might not be enough or it might just be enough. And I feel like in this scenario where it's just enough, just about enough, 15 goals a season, now you have to answer the question, do Barcelona have the tools to get those other goals from other sources? Do they have goal-scoring wingers? Do they have goal-scoring midfielders? Can they create from set pieces? All of those questions need answering. And all that matters because I feel like at the end of the day, if this is a 10 to 15 goal striker, that number to me just requires the rest of the team to compensate because he is. if they can do that, then that's fine because you will still get enough goals, theoretically at least. But if they cannot, which is the second scenario in which 15 goals is just not enough, simply not enough, then you have a problem. <laughs> So my answer will still be Roque and Lewandowski and then Guyu maybe in, in the background together because more than likely, Roque won't be ready to be just the starting striker, the out-and-out Barcelona number nine for at least a year and a half, I would say, at least that much. And maybe he hits the ground running, maybe he just comes in and maybe it's a perfect fit and he scores goals. But I doubt his output will suddenly reach, I don't know, 30 goals per season regularly especially considering how young he is and how new all this will be to him. The tough question that needs to be answered next is where his ceiling, so the player he can become eventually, can that player regularly reach 30 goals per season? Because that to me seems like a number that Barca striker needs to be aiming for. If not, if he's not that kind of player, we may need more output from different sources. I feel like that's a question for a different time. So anything to add here, Dev? No, I, I would agree. Yeah. Doing this season on season, 20 goals, not easy. And we have struggled with that from the time Messi and Suarez went away. Yes, Leva did his thing last year, but this year uh, we have seen the struggles. 
So yes, it's going to be, there are a lot of issues that we need to think about. Like you rightly pointed out, what's our set play? Who takes uh, the free kicks? Who takes the cutbacks? Who plays off the shoulder? Who's making those deep runs? So many questions to be asked for. And I don't think we are in the position to say that, okay, one player is going to solve it all for us, especially given they're so young and untested. Okay, with that, let's go to the second question, which was posed by King Doi. He says, what exactly does Xavi achieve by isolating the right wing to the extent that neither Yamal nor Rafinha have any influence on the game? You can practically put Prime Messi in there and he won't do anything. I understand the idea, but does it actually bring something concrete? And I like this question because it's one of my biggest gripes with Xavi. Um, in the previous episode, I think, uh, if you remember, we discussed his coaching credentials, so if you will. So how good of a coach is Xavi at the end of the day? And I said that Xavi understands how elite teams want to play and how they want to set up. And I think that's still true. Um, because Barca, have, they've, they've had a sensible structure, not always, but often. And there were always hints of a, some sort of a system that Xavi wants to implement and wants his team to execute. However, what often ends up happening is that Barcelona look like a tactics board simulation to borrow a phrase that I, that I saw on, on Twitter by one of the other analysts called HP. He's a, he's a big account, great account. So check him out. And what this means is that Xavi has this idea of how he wants the team to set up, but then it stops there, right? They occupy those positions that they need to occupy for the sake of it. Because Xavi wants superiority, Xavi wants the wingers to, to pin the back line. And all of that on paper creates advantages on the pitch, right? However, just occupying those positions in that static manner, like on a tactics board, if you will, doesn't do much in isolation. Now, the players need support, they need to ask questions of the, of the defender, of the back, like they need to arrive in different spaces, be mobile, be dynamic, all of that matters. And the reason why the wingers are often isolated is because Xavi instructs them to pin the defenders and retain their positions without supporting them the way they need to be supported. So but by design, yes, he wants them isolated, but because of the nature of the rest of the static structure, so the players around them, they are often isolated, yes, with the defenders, but they are also isolated from the rest of their own team. So I think that hurts them a lot. And, and then accessing those players, the wingers, becomes very difficult. And once you do access them, it's difficult for them to do anything other than try and create something out of nothing, essentially. So they have to do something with their individual quality. And if they fail to do, there's nothing much that they can do, that there's not, no plan B, essentially. So I think the idea is good. So wide wingers, they pin defenders, they stretch the back line, they create isolations. All of that is a good idea. But the execution is lacking because the rest of the team doesn't provide the necessary structure around it to be like on to be the most optimal way to attack and to use those wide players. So I think that's the whole problem with Xavi. He understands what to do, but then he implements it and he sticks with it so rigidly and, and with no, I'm not sure if it's ability or no knowledge, whatever it is, but he cannot really adapt and adjust it so they so once it faces some adversity some good defending he cannot respond to that so i think that's what the issue is i'm i think i'm far more pragmatic is it working for the team when you look at the results and when you look at the way 
the team is playing? And my answer would be no. If you look at it, the team's struggling. We may be scraping by with one zeros here and there, but for the last two, two and a half months, except maybe the classical, we have suffered, right? So obviously, the, from a tactical viewpoint, while it's nice, and from a tactical viewpoint, it does give the ability to have attacking play. We are neither attacking, nor are we playing great football, correct? So either that tactic is great and does not work for the team that we have. The players are not being able to execute what Xavi wants out of that sequence. Is it giving us, you know, benefit in from a numerical advantage perspective? No. Uh, are the transitions any lesser? No. Are the wingers any more dangerous? No. Uh, the point of a tactic or a strategy or a game plan or a formation is to find answers and make the team more effective. Is the team more effective because of this right now? I wouldn't say so. Yes, we are getting by. But I don't think that's because of that tactic alone or what have you. I think we saw the most impact in the first year of Xavi when we had that hybrid team playing. But at least you could understand the impact of his positional discipline. Last year, yes, again, to a large extent, if you look into what he did in the midfield, uh, that box midfield, providing shelter for his defense and then giving coverage, I think that helped us, sure. And then this year, if you look into it, we, we have struggled. So my point is that, yes, maybe it's a great tactic on paper. Maybe it's something that we should be trying, but right now it's not working with the team. So either we have to find out a way to make it work or find the right people to play who can make it work. Because ultimately, with all of this, the team is not getting attacking impetus and also not improving in defensive orientation, then just having it for the sake of it doesn't make too much of a sense for me. Yeah, that's very interesting. And, and I do agree. And in a way, I like this because in a way, um, it's a good segue to the next question, which I feel like is another very good one. And it comes from not this again, bro. He says, has Xavi diverted from the system we used last season in recent games? And could that be the major reason why we have been playing worse? Now, I know, Dev, that you had a very strong opinion about this, about Xavi actually having a system in place last season that kind of got the best out of this team. And now that we switched things up and tried to do things differently, we're not really seeing the return. So I'm going to let you take this away. See, it's not that we were playing champagne football last year. We weren't. We struggled and we scraped our way through, I don't know, 21 zeros probably. And we won a league. It wasn't pretty. It was definitely not pretty. It was uh, difficult. It was uh, not very pleasing to the eye at times. Uh, but versus for the courses, it was effective. We weren't scoring boatloads of goals. We weren't also conceding boatloads of goals. And it was working. And if you look into the personnel, when summer came and we had the transfer window, so Gundogan came in, Oriel Romeo came in, Busquets left. We had Cancelo come in, we had Felix came in. And as fans, we were all excited that, yes, now we'll be able to play attacking football. And Xavi wants to play better attacking football. And for doing that, he shifted the system. He made Kunde the center back. Kunde is the best center back 
for many teams in La Liga, but Kunde probably isn't the centre-back for Barca in the high line that Barca plays. I don't think he'll ever be. If you just look into the game with Alan Issa, Kunde and Araujo both had 10 duels. Araujo won 9 is to 1. Kunde was 4 is to 6. That tells you the gulf in difference, right? For the high line that we play, I think Kunde's best position is the right back for this team. Under Xavi, playing the way Xavi does. It can all change with a new manager, new system, new way of playing and so on. But for this team, the way we play, his best position is the right back. Now, because we have changed all of that, and now we have Cancelo who has been given a little bit of a freedom to go ahead and be attacking. In theory, it looks all good. But if you look into Gundogan, he's too deep. So he's not being able to go up and contribute, which often makes him isolated. And often you don't really know what he's doing, except for the classical game. Uh, you'll struggle to find his impact, that he's a great player. But I've struggled to see what he's doing beyond that. Cancelo's been there. He's trying, but except the Celta game, I struggle to see where he has bought massive improvement in the attacking output that we have. And Xavi still hasn't figured out whether he should be on the right back, whether he should play on the left, and if on the right, how does he play with Lamine and Rafinha? That's been a problem, right? We haven't yet figured that out. So there's a problem there. There's a problem in the midfield because the midfield is not connecting either from the defense or in the offense, if you look into it, right? Uh, we have great midfielders who on paper are amazing, but they're neither giving attacking threat nor are they connecting the game with the defense. And now we have a defense, which is amazing on paper, but they're disconnected because in the high line that we play, they are losing time and again on transitions, right? If you can just look into it. It's the easiest thing to kill Bartha on transition. So I would say, uh, yes, with, uh, with, with the new people who came in and the new squad that we assembled in the, in the summer, and our idea was to play attacking football but the steam has not gelled. Those profiles are not gelling with each other. And so giving up what was tried and tested last season for something more expansive and something more exciting this season, while on paper looks good, hasn't really worked out. And that's why you see disconnection everywhere with the team. You don't see our, our defense holding together. You don't see our midfield stitching the play. You don't see our forwards really connected. Everybody's trying to go through the build through the middle. And then when you have a 5-4-1 block and they completely neutralize that middle, that's it. That's the end of our game. We, we have no answers. That happens game after game. So yeah, I think it, it hasn't worked, that, that experiment. But I would say for a team as exploratory as this one and going with a tried and tested template, is better than trying something new. Or you can say, I'm going to die by my sword. I'm going to play expansive, attacking, entertaining football. And in that process, I may concede. And that's okay. Then you have to live by that principle, which also we are not doing. So either we have to do one. Like I'm happy to see Barca playing absolutely attacking, entertaining football, conceding goals. Okay. But at least I'm seeing something. Right now, Barca, I don't know what, what Barca are playing. I, I don't think even the team knows what they're playing. 
Yeah, those are very good points, I think. And just bars are not knowing exactly what they want to do is, I think, a big reason why they are failing to do anything. Um, and I think what we saw last season was Xavi adapting to the state of the squad. It was obvious to him that he didn't really have the tools necessary to play a certain style. And then he decided to be reactive, to be much more pragmatic, more opportunistic and play to the strengths of those key, key pieces that, the, that he did have. And I feel it worked. It worked. As you said, the team wasn't really ready for an overly expansive style. And they instead, they just focused on being solid, defensively solid, and see how games are necessary, and that worked. And I feel in general, when you look at coaches and elite coaches with Amire, finding that balance between just being pragmatic when you have to be pragmatic, and then this kind of idealism, if you will, if you will this is crucial for any coach who wants to be more than just a short-term playing. And I feel, feel like Xavi wants to be more than just someone who papers over the cracks and stays for a season or two and then is gone and forgotten. And I think Xavi himself understood that principle, right? He understood the team wasn't ready to play the way everyone else wanted them to play. And rather, they played the only way they could to win. And, and in doing so, they bought themselves more time for building the squad, that can eventually grow into a team that can play the way everyone expects them to play and wants them to play. Now, this season, however, I feel like with the new arrivals and the new system, Xavi thought, maybe he genuinely thought that he had the tools to implement a very expansive style that we talked about. And to be honest with you, it does, it, it, it did bring about a change, right? It, it, and, and maybe we can even say that it, it's working to a certain extent because we can see Barca creating more chances than before. The numbers do suggest that. But we are also struggling to convert those chances and to remain defensively solid. So basically, you are sacrificing whatever worked last season for an increase in chance creation, but that chance creation is not really getting us anywhere. So I would argue this team is still far from ready to go guns blading and just outscore everyone every single time in every single game. And so, yes, perhaps we have rushed into something we're not entirely ready for just yet. And perhaps it was Xavi just succumbing to, to this public opinion, the pressure from above, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe he had, she just genuinely thought, okay, this team that I have now with Gundogan, with Felix, with Cancelo, maybe this team is ready to abandon whatever worked last season and just do a, a big flip and, and start playing the way everyone expects and wants us to play. But at the end of the day, however, at least nothing else, if nothing else, now we see where those gaps are. We see that we still have those gaps and those gaps are still pretty, pretty big. And there's still quite a lot missing for us to reach that level. Maybe this tells Xavi that, okay, the ideas are good, but maybe we don't have the quality. Maybe the coaching is not really there. But playing this way or, or playing something that's, that's in between a couple of styles, maybe that's not the way to go just yet. And I know that everyone wants to see us play a certain way. Everyone wants Barca to be the Barca of old, to be the attacking juggernaut, to be the team that steamrolls everyone through the sheer attacking output. But I we just have to make sure that we strike that balance between being pragmatic enough and, and being realistic and, and say, okay, this team is missing, I don't know, X, Y, and Z to achieve that level. So maybe we should 
just tone down and play to our strengths and buy ourselves more time to eventually create a team that can play that way. It's hard. It's hard to accept it. But as a fan base, I think we should start adjusting ourselves that this is not the Barca of 2008. This is not the Barca of 2012. This is not the Barca of 2014, 16, or even 18. It just isn't. And it's not going to be that. So it is, I'm gone. It's fundamentally, uh, the chapter has closed. And if you have to start writing a new chapter, then we have to first start accepting who we are, where we are. Yeah, that might be the, the harsh reality, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But let's go on to the next question, which comes from Fred Tetek. I hope I take our side. Who says, all these issues with our team, they always highlight and many others alongside you. Does Xavi as our coach don't see them or doesn't he know them? Now, honestly, I get this question a lot and people often <laughs> accompany this question with the standard, oh, Dom, if you're so smart, why aren't you coaching Barca instead? I get, I get that a lot. I didn't think it was necessary to point out, but here we are. I do not believe I will do a better job than Xavi. I also think he easily knows a lot more than us about football. So we're not here to tell you, okay, we would do a better job. It's just that we're here to discuss what we like, what we dislike, and just voice our opinions. But it just goes to show you how difficult it actually is to rebuild a team as big as Barcelona. It's an immense job and too big for most coaches out there. Is it too big for Xavi? I, I don't know. That's not for us to say at this moment just yet. However, I, and I keep saying this, Xavi not fixing the issues of old is something I find concerning. Ultimately, to me at least, it signals either the inability to see those issues or the inability to fix those issues. And both of those scenarios, in my mind, are equally bad. Now, I'm not sure we can confidently say which one it is because, again, we're not there with Charlie. We're not behind the scenes. We're not in his presence or in his head. So we can only evaluate what we see on the pitch. And even that ultimately gives us very little. It, just, it gives us some information that we can process, but not the full picture. But I maintain that the biggest threat to any project, big or small, a Barcelona project, or I don't know, a mid-table project, any project that's not fixing old issues is in danger of, of just collapsing. And Barcelona are very much suffering from old issues. So there are personal dynamics. There are dynamics of the game. There are dynamics of things like injuries and what you have to keep in mind. Then there are dynamics like seniority and then who are the juniors and how do you bring all of that together. So there are so many dynamics, right? From a people management perspective. Then there are the, then there's the game state. You have to adjust in real time. That, okay, no, this is not working. Let me try something else, right? And while you're adjusting, your opponent is also adjusting. And that is what is the hallmark of a great coach. Now, we all knew Chavi is new. He has only had two, two and a half years of experience before he came to the Barca job. And it's not like something that, okay, if we can see it, can he not see it? Of course he can see it. Obviously he understands that and obviously he has ideas. But now, if these ideas are not working, there can be two options. One, we don't have the players to implement those ideas, which means the profile and the skill set do not match up, which means our scouting has to be the best. Or... There's a problem in man management where as a coach and manager, you're not getting your team to respond to how you want it to play. And we can speculate from outside. 
but the truth of the matter is, this is why coaching a winning team takes time. It's not as simple as, okay, let's draw, take a board and then draw some patterns. And if we set the people right this way, and then immediately we'll, we'll play amazingly well. That happens in theory, but in reality, it doesn't happen like that, for sure. It's far more nonlinear than that. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing that we have to understand. It's not really as simple as that, where you just make a change in the board and everything falls into place. That That's just not how football works. There's so many intangibles and so many details that you have to get right. And in the moment, with a lot of pressure on your back, especially as a Barca coach, so yeah. Okay, let's move to the final question, which comes from Total Leo FCB. He asks, if you had to pick between winning the Champions League and La Liga while playing the way we currently are, or only winning La Liga while significantly improving our performances, which options would you choose? And <laughs> this is a very funny question because it's also a variation of one of my recent polls where I asked, would you rather win a title but play poorly or win nothing but significantly improve? And my main argument was that you have to pick whatever gives you a better foundation for prolonged success. Ideally, of course, Barca always do both. Right? They always play great football and great football kind of results in titles. That's simple, right? Yes, it is, but it also makes for a very easy choice, doesn't it? That wouldn't be much of a pull then in that case. In this particular scenario, however, which we have at our hand, it's extremely difficult because La Liga and Champions League together, those two titles would do wonders for Barcelona's financial situation. And also, it would definitely buy Xavi that time that we keep saying, the time to get the players he needs, to get them to coach them properly, all of that would kind of, he would be given another chance to do all of that. So it's very difficult to say no to a Champions League title and a La Liga title together in one season. It's just, you just have to go for that. But if we go and take this to a slightly different scenario, which in a vacuum, if we say a title but playing badly or no title but improving significantly, I think I will still go for the second option. Why? It's simple. For me, crapping wins, scoring in the last seconds to save yourself, relying on the opposition to, to miss four or five chances, to me, that just, it's not sustainable, right? It's not something that you can do consistently enough. It may happen occasionally, of course. It may happen in, I don't know, one-off knockout games. It may happen when you least expect it. It may happen when you need it the most. We've seen it happen before. But it cannot happen every week in a 38-game season. That way of playing does not predict sustainable success. At least that's my opinion. But playing really well, that does predict sustainable success. And yes, last season, people would say, okay, but we played that way last season. And I, I, well, yes, we won 1-0 a lot last season, but that wasn't playing badly necessarily. We were not inferior to our opponents for 89 minutes and about every game and then scored in the last seconds, salvage three points. I don't think that's what happened. Yes, we played in low scoring games, but that wasn't necessarily playing badly. We were playing well but did not score a lot. I think those two things are not mutually exclusive. You can play well while scoring little. It can happen. Now, you can also play really well and still lose a game, of course, even lose the title at the end of the day. But continually playing well will inevitably give you results. I, I stand by that point. It's impossible to consistently be the better team and consistently keep losing game upon game. It's not as simple as that, of course, but this scenario is almost like saying, would you rather 
win one title now, but then miss out on the following three titles? Or would you rather miss out on one title now, but then win the following three? Um, naturally, if, if, if you do win the, the Champions League and La Liga in one season, it means that you're doing something right. You just cannot play super poorly and not and, and still win those two titles. It's impossible. But just for the argument's sake, my answer would still be losing out on a title, but then setting up to win the next three. Well, that would always be my preferred choice. Yeah. What would you say, Dev? I'm far more practical and cynical than you are. <laughs> That's the honest answer. Personally, I do not think this team has the capabilities of consistently playing well every game. It's a wish that we as fans have. I understand that because we, it's our team. We follow it, we love it, and we want it to be successful. But if they had to, they would have already. There's a core nucleus that is being formed of this team, and it will take time for it to come through. But in its current state, the way it is, the association of different players or the quality that they have, I don't think this team has the capability of consistently playing well. They can play well, one-off, like there can be a Super Copa game and they'll be like insane and be like, oh, this is 2014 again, right? But that will not happen week after week. Whether that's a mental thing or it's a capability thing, that's debatable and maybe for some other day. But I don't think this team has the capacity of consistently giving 9 on 10 performances every game. So now if you take that out for me, then the question is, do you play badly and miss and then lose? Or do you play badly and win? I would take bad play badly and win any day. Because at least what it does, it builds character. It builds team spirit. And team spirit is something that you cannot build through coaching manuals. It comes on the field against adversity. Now, if we had the system where we have a very defined structure and we are seeing success based on that and, and we are bleeding in your players and we are building that structure up, then yes, you fight, you hold on to your identity, you play with your identity, you lose, but then in three years' time, you're ready for that next leap. The first three years of Arteta's rule, he just did not have the people on the players. It took him three seasons to really get the people that he wanted. But from the time he got the people that he wanted, Arsenal was already playing well. You could see that. They might not have been winning something, but like championships and cups, but they were winning games and winning games convincingly. And we were seeing that. So the thing is, when it starts to click together, the team will automatically play well. They're professional players. They want to go out there and play well. They, they, they don't want to wake up in the morning and go to the field and say, I'm going to suck today. Nobody does that. And it's going to still take time. And it'll be fractured. It will be complex because A, we don't have the money. So we'll have to do cut these deals. We'll have to go for people, players on the free. We'll have to adjust here, uh, stretch there, split there. We'll do all kinds of permutations, combinations to put a competitive team on the pitch. And that's not how you build title winning teams. This is all good for us to say that, okay, we need to be mindful and we are okay. Uh, let the team improve 
and in three years' time when they are better than what they are right now and they will win lots of glories for us and that's the right way to go about it. And I'm okay with that. My question is how many of our fans, of the same people who say this, will be rational when the team starts to lose game after game because they are holding on to their principle, right? So the famed Barca principle is 4-3-3 with a high line. Let's assume we start playing that way, pushing forward, attacking play with this team. I don't know how many goals on the counter we will concede and how many games we will lose, to be entirely honest, but we will. How many of us are willing to accept that? Because we all want to win. But we all want to win playing amazing football. The problem is we just aren't there around playing amazing football yet. The work needs to happen. It's better scouting, better profiling, really putting a team together. In the meantime, the team has to stay competitive. The team has to win something here or there. Otherwise, you become irrelevant. Sponsorships are going to get affected. That's a problem. You can't afford that. So in that particular sense, I would say be pragmatic. Do what is required to improve to the level that you can. But yes, you want to win. Because this is about winning. Yes, that's perfectly fine. I think many fans would agree with you. There we go. We have slightly, two slightly opposing views, which is always good for discussion. And you guys are always feel free to discuss and continue discussing it because this is a topic that really, that you, there's no right answer, right? You can't just say, okay, this is true and there's no two ways about it. There's no fact here. You could argue both cases and that's what makes this so interesting. But anyway, Coolers, I think this is also a good place to wrap things up. As ever, it's never boring being a Barca fan and hopefully this podcast has answered at least some of your concerns. We do try our best. We'll be back next week, of course, with more. So stay tuned for another Q&A at one point during the week. And you can post your questions there and, and always there will, there will always be a chance for you to feature on the next pod. Until that time, stay safe and as, as ever, peace out, El Barca.